0: The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. If church history isn't fully reliable, should we wholly reject it? How can we know the truth about God and about eternal salvation? That's what we'll be exploring today on Grace in Focus. Thank you for joining us here. Grace in Focus is the radio and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. If you want to know more about us, find out about us at faithalone.org. By the way, we have an online seminary. You can find out more information about that also at faithalone.org. Spring classes are starting in February. It's time now for applications and registrations. That's faithalone.org. Now to our discussion of the day. Here are Bob Wilkin and Leon Atkins.
1: Leon, uh, I believe we have a question. Who's the question from?
2: This question is from William. And William says, if you look at those who are considered the early church fathers and what the early church believed, you will find some things that go against the free grace view. For example, they believed certain things such as having to maintain one's salvation and that repenting from sins is necessary. Uh, I lack assurance of salvation, and I worry that my views are off. Could you tell me why we should not agree with the early church writings that have different views than the free grace movement?
1: Okay, that's a that's a great question, William. Basically, what he's saying is if church history is contrary to what we're seeing here on Grace and Focus, then why should we believe what free grace theology is saying? Why shouldn't we believe church history? After all, church history goes back 2,000 years, right? Well, I just gave a talk at our most recent conference about the fact that there are basically four sources of truth that people look at in order to determine what they must do to be saved. And the primary ones that most people look at are church history is certainly one of the top ones. And what people will do is they will not only look at what people said in the first four centuries, but all the way through, right? So someone preaching today and teaching today is still part of church history. Yes. So therefore, if I read theologians and I read pastors and I I read blogs, I look at videos, that's all part of church history. Of course, we don't have a unified answer to the question, what must I do to be saved, uh, today for sure, uh, the last 500 years for sure, the last 2,000 years for sure. So we can't just say church history taught X, Y, or Z, therefore that must be correct. Um, In fact, if we were to go for 2,000 years, we'd we'd all either be Orthodox or Catholic, right? We'd be Roman Catholic. We certainly wouldn't be Calvinist because that's only the last 500 years. And even in the last 500 years, the predominant view has been Catholic or Orthodox, not Calvinist. And even if you said, okay, we're only going to look at Protestants, the primary view is Arminian, right? You can lose your salvation, not Calvinist. So what people do, like William, is they often pick and choose. But there's two other sources of truth. People look at their experience, and they say, okay, I prayed this prayer, I walked the aisle, I raised my hand, um, and that's enough to be saved, Um, and maybe they say because the pastor said it was, or because Uh. the big-name evangelist said it was, or another thing is people's reason. They just reason, it makes sense to me that God wouldn't condemn anyone Uh, who has walked the aisle or prayed the prayer or who believe that Jesus died and rose again. Whatever it is, people use those three sources, reason, experience, church history. And what I would say to William is all of those things are only true if they are consistent with the word of God.
2: The Word of God is the standard that we go by, not our own experience, history, or even reason.
1: Right. So if church history is consistent with John 3.16, then we would say, okay, church history, at least in that regard, uh, can be helpful, right? Right. But if church history contradicts John 3.16, then we reject that part of church history. Yes. Yes. And the same thing would be true of our own experience, and the same thing would be true of our own reason. If if I invited Jesus into my heart—I did, by the way, hundreds of times between the ages of, of 6 and 20— I invited him over and over and over again, because I was taught that if you invited him in, then he would save you. If you did it with true repentance— And if you did it with true humility and everything else, but you never could be quite sure you had true repentance and true humility, and so I'd do it over and over again, right? You didn't know if it was true enough of your experience. right? So then when I was 20, uh, a friend said, is it possible your view of the gospel is wrong? And because of him, I went to a Campus Crusade for Christ meeting at University of Southern California, and I heard... Uh, two former Division One athletes, scholarship athletes, give their testimonies, and I heard one former fraternity guy uh, give his testimony. And they all talked about grace. They talked about unmerited favor. They talked about the free gift of of salvation that can't be lost. And I was like, I remember I talked to my friend John, and I said, "It can't be that simple. <laughs> I mean, that's too easy. I mean." Just believing, you've certainly got to live the life. But as a result of that meeting, I contacted Campus Crusade for Christ at my school, University of California at Irvine, and I told the, the staff member that I was put in touch with that I lacked assurance, and I needed assurance. I told Warren, I said, I've invited Jesus into my heart many <laughs> times, but I don't have assurance. So he took me to the scriptures, and he used Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And we met five different times for an hour each time. And finally I got it, that salvation is final the moment we believe in Jesus for our salvation. And it's not of works lest anyone should boast. It's not a matter of inviting him in. It's not a matter of turning from my sins. It's not a matter of cleaning up my life. And I saw it from the Bible. I didn't see it from church history. Uh I didn't see it from my own experience. My own experience was wrong. I didn't get it from reason. I got it from Scripture. And, you know, Paul says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from what? From
2: the Word of God.
1: Yeah, from the Word of God. And we need, of course, a preacher to give us the Word of God. And, of course, all of the New Testament authors are preachers. They're preaching the Word of God to us. Mm -hmm. But church history continues to today. So if you're hearing us on this broadcast, we're part of church history, right? (laughs) We may be a real narrow swath of it. We may be a little stream in the big river that is church history, but we are part of it. And so I would urge William to evaluate what we're saying and evaluate it against not church history, but evaluate it against Scripture. Over a hundred times in Scripture, we're told that whoever believes in Jesus is saved forever, has everlasting life, is justified with a permanent justification. I have a book called Faith Alone in a 100 Verses in the Bible, And, you know, people can check that out. But the point is, if you read the Gospel of John, there are a hundred uses of the word believe. Over and over and over again, the message of John 3.16 keeps saying, whoever believes in him will not perish but has everlasting life. Very good, Bob.
2: Even our own experience, our own reason, and our own study of church history can be deceptive. Right. We need to always go back to the Word of God.
1: I know this may sound oddly on it may sound like I'm over spiritualizing, yeah. but I believe Satan uses church history. Uh, yes, amen. I believe he gets lots of people to make the argument that surely these people in the first mm-hmm. four centuries must have gotten it right. They must have been accurate. How about the book of Galatians? If we've ever read the letter of Paul to the Galatians, and that was written by the way probably in forty nine probably within 16 years of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And yet, in 49, there were legalistic work salvation people who rejected Paul's message, and they were preaching what Paul calls a false gospel in Galatians 1, 6 through 9. And they were saying that you had to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised in order to be saved. Now, they weren't denying you needed faith in Jesus, but they were adding in the law of Moses and circumcision. That was in the very lifetime of the apostles, people preaching a false gospel. So should it be any surprise that after the apostles left, that the church fathers were preaching a false gospel? Now, we don't have the writings of people who were proclaiming the message that the apostles preached, There certainly were people in the first five centuries, the first 15 centuries, who were proclaiming the free grace message, the faith alone and Christ alone message, but their writings didn't survive, or maybe they didn't write. But either way, God's always had a witness. God's always had a remnant of people who believed Mm -hmm. the saving message. But the way we know the saving message is from the Word of God, and, and we would recommend highly the Gospel of John because the Gospel of John is the only evangelistic book in the Bible. John twenty thirty one. These things I've written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you may believe. That is, the people weren't believers that John was writing to. That's why I would always recommend, don't go to church history, go to the Gospel of John.
2: <laughs> Very good, and I think that's good advice for all of us.
1: Yeah, and that's true for sanctification, too. If you want to know how to grow in the faith, go to the Word of God. Don't go to church history. Don't go. Now, that doesn't mean there can't be insights into the Word of God found in church yes. history. Of course there are. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be discerning. You've got to be a Berean. Mm-hmm. You know, you're Pastor uh-huh. Berean Memorial Bible <laughs> Church. You've got to search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Yes. And if they are, then, okay, aspects of church history can be helpful. But I agree with William's opening salvo. Church history got it wrong about repentance. Church history got it wrong about you could lose your salvation. Mm -hmm. The early church history, that is. At least what we have in writing. Even the church fathers. Right. Even the church fathers. Read uh, Thomas F. Torrance, The Doctrine of Grace and the Apostolic Fathers. He says, to a man, they lost the concept of grace. That doesn't mean it didn't exist in those centuries. It just means we don't have it in the writings of the church fathers. Well, great question, William. And remember, all of us, let's keep grace in focus. Amen.
0: Would you be interested in some free eBooks on topics you hear on this program? Well, if you are, you need to come visit us at faithalone.org. On the site, we've got all kinds of free materials. But one of our popular options is our free ebooks on a range of subjects. They're designed to help you mature and grow in your understanding of the faith and scripture. So come visit us at faithalone.org. We are so thankful for our financial partners who keep us on the air. Every gift is tax deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can give, go to faithalone.org. You can get us on our email address, which is radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode, does God grade sins and will Millennium Saints be judged? Join us next time for that. And until then, let's keep Grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.